And welcome back to the coaching couch. We have that new intro. Hope you guys like it. Uh, I am here with the usual suspects, owner and operator, Coach Manning. Hello, everybody. And uh, consigliere Cameron Hudson. What's up, man? What's going on? Now, we have a special guest today for you guys. Um, he's CrossFit OG in the area, uh, Chris Guerrero. What's up? Maybe What's you've up? heard of him. Maybe you heard of the guy. <laughs> Maybe you heard of him. Yeah, I, I, started, I started with, uh, with, uh, with Chris. Managed yeah, it too. That's me how too. I. Uh, yeah. That's how I got into CrossFit. That was my introduction and me, to CrossFit. Almost in a way, also. Actually, uh, he's probably I would say like the Godfather. Yeah, he's kind of like the Bill Belichick of Westchester when it comes to CrossFit. <laughs> or actually, People would you like, consider him more like uh, the guy that just plants a seed everywhere and he has a bunch of kids? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Call me the Vince McMahon. The Vince McMahon <laughs> of the game. Hey man, welcome. Man. I appreciate you coming out. Thank uh, you. Thank you. Kind of stoked about this. Um, I kind of wanted to start with. How you got into uh, into CrossFit? So I know that you went to the University of Michigan, right? Yep, yep. yep, yep. Um, do you play any sports there? No, 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 no. No sports. No, no, no D one sports. No, unfortunately, no, no D1 no, sports. I, I wasn't that talented. Were okay. you a D one drinker? He was a D one yeah, partier, bro. I was, I was a NBA professional <laughs> partier. So. Right. Count it. Okay, so so you went to the University of Michigan, and we'll take it from there. So. Uh, Basically, uh, back then when I, I don't think gap years existed, mm -hmm. you know, I just got like jumped right into the workforce. Um, started with a friend's father at the time working in a sports management company. And the idea was I wanted to become a sports agent. I wanted to go to work. I wanted to work, go to law school, become an agent. Okay. But I had the intention, like, I'm going to work for a year, save some money, go to law school. They're having money, making real money for a year, which at the time, I think this was like 2006, I was getting paid like $35,000, $30,000, a year living in the city, uh, working in the city, living at home. Okay. I was like, man, I don't want to go back to school now. The job kind of started to run, there was a lot of red flags with the job, and then I ended up starting to use a recruiting firm. I didn't want to work in the city anymore, and I wanted to get into finance. So the segue into finance for me, the University of Michigan background actually really helped, and I got hired by J.P. Morgan. Okay. J.P. Morgan, um, I think this was like 2007. 2007, I was working in the city for a year. So I started working at this office, um, making like twice the money, um, oh, working like 10 minutes from home. So okay. I could drive to work. Uh, you know, worked during the week, living for the weekends. After like a year, year and a half, started to get really sick of it. Um, was asking for different responsibilities and stuff. Cause I knew it was like, I thought at the time, like, okay, like if I can tolerate this job, this is like what most people strive for in life, right? Like, Hey, if I could tolerate the job that I have, it's good. Yeah. Huge financial collapse. 2008, uh, then 2009, like the market crashes, Dow Jones like just drops, drops, drops. So I'm trying to get out of JP Morgan, get a hedge fund job. Okay. I'm seeing what some of my boys uh, who went to Michigan, who were in the business school, were doing, making tons of money at the time. And 
it just got to the point where I was waking up every day and I was like, God damn, I just, I hate this. Like, you know, waking up every morning to your alarm, like, ah, yeah. I think I was uh, 25 at the time and I was just like, dude, there's no way that I can, you know, sustain working till I'm 60, 65 doing this. So yeah. I was like, what can I do? There was a guy that I worked with um, <clears throat> and I'm going to give him full credit to the uh, reason that I am where I am now. So his name is Steve Masso. Shout out to Steve Masso. Um, I'm sure he's his, listening. Yeah, he's probably, he's definitely going to listen. I'm going to tag him in this post. So he is... Um, He's brother-in-law with Rob Orlando. Okay. So Rob Orlando oh, is one CrossFit of his OG, true yes. OGs. Yes. Me and Rob go way back, and Rob was running a hybrid athletics mm -hmm. at the time. So I've always been into working on. Steve was talking to me about this CrossFit stuff that his brother-in-law was doing. I was like, man, I remember reading about that in Muscle and Fitness magazine. And I remember reading through the article because I got really interested when I saw the movie 300, just like everyone else. Like, how the hell are these guys so jacked? Jacked, yeah. Do some research. It was Bobby Maximus, who was a part of a gym called Jim Jones. It was a CrossFit affiliate that the affiliated because Mark Twight, the owner of that gym, had beef with Greg Glassman. They didn't see eye to eye on stuff just like OPEX. Same, yeah. same, same deal. So I go back to this magazine and I start reading it and it's like... Basically, like Hell Week. So it's from this guy, Andy Petronak, who used to own CrossFit Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. I tell my uh, gym partner at the time, I was like, yo, Monday, I'm going to start this routine. Like, I'm not, do I'm not doing chest and tries on Monday. I'm going to do this workout. Do you want to jump in? He's like, nah. I'm good. Nah, I'm good. Yeah. I'm not doing that. So do the first workout. I think the first workout I ever did was Eva, okay. which is five rounds, 800 meter run. 30 swings at 70 pounds, 30 pull-ups. So it's like, holy you, for someone for someone who's never done CrossFit before and your, your pull-up workouts don't like, a lot. Eight, <laughs> Hell like yeah. three sets of eight with like an eight-minute rest in between. <laughs> I like I like stumbled my way through this workout, probably doing really shitty reps. Who who really knows how I did it? But got wrapped took up. me like an hour and a half, and I just felt like terrible. But then I went, oh my Jesus Christ, that workout was crazy. Yeah. I, I'm not going to quit. I committed to doing this week, so let me just see. So finish off this week that they had programmed in this magazine, this muscle and fitness article, and um, I read about CrossFit.com. So start following this CrossFit.com workout. Circle back to this guy, Steve Masso, and he tells me, yeah, my brother-in-law, Rob Orlando, he runs this gym in Stanford. It's like a strongman CrossFit gym. You got to come there. They're doing this, like, competition. Okay. So I'm like, competition? Like, what? Like a fitness competition? He's like, yeah, so I'm thinking in my head, like, world's strongest man type stuff, which I always love watching. I go there, I watch the event, I'm like, dude, this is awesome. Yeah. So at that time, that is when I met Sin. Oh, from okay. Afro, Afro Brutality. Brutality. Like, we were like, they would drive up from Harlem, him, Los, Teresa, uh, Esco, a bunch of people Oh, that's there. the original. Yeah, the original. And we cool. literally okay. used to throw down on Saturdays there doing, like, this crazy shit in the parking lot. I remember, like, one of them showed me, like, rings, like, muscle-ups, and this is going to piss a lot of people off. First time I tried to muscle-up, I got, got it. it. Like, I was, like, <laughs> shaking, like, at the top, but I got it. Um, and I was hooked, man. I just started training, 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 and I found myself at work. All I was doing was, like, in the spare time that I had, which was a lot, reading CrossFit Journal, reading up nutrition, I already had an NASM cert at the time and I was just like really looking into like how can I how can I get better at CrossFit? Yeah. Um 
Looked into affiliating August 2009. I go to South Brooklyn, uh, get my level one. Would you go uh, Virtuosity? Uh, no, CrossFit South Cross, Brooklyn. Cross, okay. And then I remember I ordered a whole bunch of equipment. So I was living at home, so I was saving a lot of money because I was working at JP Morgan. Ordered like $20,000 worth of equipment. Shit. With my parents' garage, and I'm like, I'm gonna basically build a gym in my house, so I don't have to go anywhere. People like at the, at this time, nobody knew what CrossFit was. Yeah, I had trainers in the gym were like, "Yo, dude, like you're really distracting my clients, but like, what are you doing? Because they also want to do it. They see like you're like a maniac in the gym doing like kipping pull ups. Like, so no one knew what it was. I was like, I'm sick of doing this. I bolted like a pull up bar to my uh, uh, tr two trees outside of my. I remember the backyard. T shirt, yeah. and I'm like working out out there. I plan a trip to Ibiza. I meet my uncle out in Spain, I party, I come back, all my equipment's there, and I start kind of like, okay, who can I start personal training? So I have some friends coming in, um, and I affiliate officially January 2010. Okay. January 2010. In your garage, parents' garage. In my garage, in my garage, yeah. And the website is like this, like almost like an angelfire.com backslash CrossFit Westchester, <laughs> like really shitty website that says coming soon. At the time, I'm kind of figuring out, like, what am I going to do with this space? There was no way where I ended up. I thought that's where I was going to be. What was the initial thought process I had? White Plains is a city. There's a lot of people in the city. So, like, in retrospect, looking at it now, I probably wouldn't have opened in White Plains. Really? Yeah. They're just, like, you know, there's not. it's not like it's a revolving door of people constantly because mm -hmm. it's, like, a commuter city. So, you get people that come for a year, year and a half, and then they leave. Yeah, yeah. People replace them, and then you're beating your head, like, how come I can't get people to stay long term? And it's because... People don't bring their families and raise them in White Plains. You know, they're on the outskirts and suburbs. But nonetheless, I agreed to this space. I got a really good deal on it at the time. And the landlord was just like, look, if it doesn't work out in like six months, we'll let you out of your lease. You have a good guy clause, so just like try it out. So I remember February, like middle of February, I book a two-week trip to South Beach and I tell my boss, like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, go away. She's like, you're doing two-week vacation, like, in February? I was like, yeah, you know, I just, like, want to go away for two weeks now. Come back March 1st, hand my two-week notice in. That's it. She says to me, like, during our exit interview, she's really obnoxious about it. You really think, like, you're going to be successful opening a gym? I was like, well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a bold thing to say. Yeah. I was like, I hope I mean, I hope I am. So March 15th, March 15th, 2010. First day, CrossFit Westchester, White Plains. I program a workout at the time. So at the time, the way the CrossFit games worked, there were like sectionals. There was no regionals. There yeah. were sectionals. Um, anybody could sign up. So there wasn't an online qualifier. And the workout I programmed that day for the gym was two bars. So it was 10 down to one. It was a squat clean thruster, 135.95. Burpees over the bar, deadlifts, 275, 185. So it went 10 squat clean thrusters, 10 burpees over the bar, 10 oh, deadlifts. 999888. Welcome, bitches. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So who was there? Uh, had some friends and family show up. Uh, Dr. Jerry Ho, shout out to Dr. Jerry Ho, the true OG, was the first member. This guy showed up March 15th at night, cash in hand. You guys finally opened up. I've been driving by here every day for the last two and a half months, seeing if you were open. You're finally here. So I was like, oh man, this is the shit. You know, like this is this guy just signs up. Um, and then slowly, like, you know, I started a morning crew and like the way the hours work back then. There was no like, I think Mike McKenna, 
I think CrossFit 914 opened around the same time. And the first one in the area was Bravo. So yeah. Caesar Bravo. Shout out to Caesar Bravo as well because I had checked his spot this out. There's so much history in like yeah. Westchester right now. Yeah. I had checked his spot out. Um, He was in a little hole in the wall in a gymnastics center and Caesar was crushing. I think Caesar was the first one open in Westchester. Yeah. Me and Mike yeah. opened up around the same time. And and he was over in Hawthorne originally. He was. Yes, he See, was this in is, this is This in predates a, in, me. In a, in a gymnastics. Yeah, this is all news to me. Yeah, this predates me. This is like, this is like the original. So it's like, how do you run a class? Like, what the hell do you do? How do you run a gym? There was no, like, real explanation on how to do it. So I was thinking, okay, <clears throat> run a class. I'm going to do it how I would. So I'm, I'm going to warm up. I'm going to review the movement or teach people the movement. Do a wad. Do some core. Because you always want the abs looking good. That's it. And stretch. <laughs> And that was kind of the baseline and premise. But in terms of like class structure, because it didn't really have classes, I was like, I'm going to be open from like six to 10. I'll go home and then I'll come back at night from four to eight. Now, I'd usually work out around one o'clock, um, but I would go home at like 10 and I'd fall asleep. I would just sleep for like two hours, right? Yeah. So, because at the time, when you first, I mean, you know, when you first open yeah. um, Northeast, it was like, you're the janitor. You're the accountant. You coach every class. You're doing all the on-ramps. You're doing literally everything. everything. And I was the most miserable. I could curse, right? I was the most yeah, fucking. Yeah, bro. I man, was shit. the most miserable. <laughs> oh, yeah, you I was curse. the most miserable dickhead of all time. So I'm not anymore, although some of you out there still think I am. I'm not. He's a changed man. <laughs> I'm a He's changed, a changed man. man. But if you have to tell people that. that you're not a dickhead. <laughs> well, people that kind of like still judge you based on 2010, but haven't even fucked with you since then. So yeah. it's like, yeah. It's like, like that was you, 10 years ago. You know, it's like at a certain people point, people change, people grow up. So whatever. But anyway, I think part of it was that like, you know, like I, one of my brother's friends, one of my older brother's friends, he's like, dude, I used to come to the gym. You had just finished mopping. You'd be like, dude, don't walk on the fucking mat yet until it tries. <laughs> You're like, all right, welcome, 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 that's welcome. The, that's the Chris I remember. Yeah, yeah, you know. He's like, Fuck. listen, there's still part of that in me, but I just don't show it quite as often. But so, you know, um, at the time, March, 2000, uh, March 15th, 2010, we're rocking and rolling. Um, we start working out and... Uh, I think it was like all, by like August or September, I was like, yo, I'm like, this place is really small. I can't fit that many people on the mat. Like, I might need to expand. Yeah. Um, I had the ability to expand where I was. So like, we knocked the wall down and it wasn't until the summer of 2011 that we actually got to like open. And at that time, it was like, then like, CrossFit Open had started, so the online qualifier, all these things started to happen. And in the beginning when I started, honestly, it was just to kind of, I really think I opened the business to fuel a hobby. Yeah. Which was just like turned into like a full-time job. So it's like, you know, training so many hours a day, how can I do that and still make a living, enough of a living? Like I never really at the time, honestly, got into the business or how much money I could make yeah. owning a gym. Um, cause it was really all about just like training and getting better. So that's kind of like the, the roots of outside. And then you started seeing gym, when, gym after gym. When did the, when did your staff start to grow? Cause I got there, I want to say like 2000 and like 12 and you already had like, uh, a decent, there was a decent amount of members, but you had like staff there. I remember. Uh, so it was, it was fully, I didn't have a, my first full time person until, uh, November, 2015. Really? Part time people. Okay. Mikey. 
who's still with me to this day. That guy started was 120 pounds. He's like 175 pounds. Yeah. Sorry, Cam. His his transformation's a little more <laughs> extreme. I will never forget the first day. We're doing a workout with these guys from uh, another OG, uh, Rob Young from CrossFit Rockland. Yeah. yeah. These guys came through, and we did this crazy-ass workout. I wish I had the video. Mikey could barely do a 35-pound thruster with a barbell, and, like, it was just like... He's a beast of the east with Mikey on his He team. was one of my first... He was one of my first clients and one of the first guys that I trusted more than, than one of my boys, Harold, who at the time was doing <laughs> yeah. working out with me. Harold was doing So I just said to him, I was like, there. yo, like, I want to go away to Miami to visit my family. And Mikey's like, yo, I got you. Like, I'll cover the class for you. He came back, and he, I came back. He's like, yo, I really liked that. I was like, you should get your level one. So Mikey was the first coach. Okay. Harold started out helping out. Then we had Meg. She started helping out. Then okay. my boy Dante came through. This 1 p.m. class started um, because Dante was there. Robbie Morelli, who now owns CrossFit Mayapac. Antoinette, who moved up like to Trumbull, Connecticut, who runs her own fitness thing. That midday 1 p.m. class, which turned out to be a big class for us, started because like Robbie and Dante were like, yo, can we just come work out with you at one o'clock? Yeah. I was like, yeah. So I started working out with them and then I was like, okay. And then like three or four more people came. I was like, I can't like, I can't charge people 150 bucks a month. Those gyms charging 150 bucks a month right now. I was doing that in 2011. <laughs> <You're>, that <laughs> shit is old, you're, you're ruining it up. for the rest yeah, of us. You got to so level like, up. You, know, you got to level up. Exactly. Level up. But anyway, <laughs> so I was like, I can't charge people 150 bucks a month. And like be working as much as they might want to work out with me because I was like a you know I was like a a regionals athlete at the time. You I were a celebrity. I can't do that. I can't charge people to work out with them because I'm not really coaching them. Yeah. Right. Got you. Well, could you, if you chose to work out with your class, then could you justify 150 bucks a month? Uh. Or could you? Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, I at the time. I mean, I would fucking never. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't, I couldn't really, I couldn't really, honestly, I couldn't, I couldn't uh, think about doing that. You know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't really want to play that game. So, um, you know, the truth of the matter is then at that time, that's where the, cl- then the, then the schedule started to bloom. Okay, we'll go do a 6 a.m., we're going to do a 7 a.m., we'll mm-hmm. do a 1 p.m., we'll do a 5 p.m. and a 6 p.m. Now, oh, we have some people that want 7 p.m., we'll do 7 p.m. Oh, we want to have people that want 9 a.m., we'll do 9 a.m. And then that's how the schedule built. And then the staff progressed from there. I looked at how did I pick people who were on the staff. I was like, okay, what members are excelling? And I don't mean like excelling like good athletes. I mean like committed to like lifestyle, diet, nutrition, all these things. And who seems like they have a passion for like fitness and, and teaching stuff. And that's kind of how I picked my coaches. But okay. That's how the staff expanded out. Yeah, because when I got there in 2012, you already seemed to be, you know, embedded in the sport. Um, mm-hmm. People knew the brand. They knew they knew who you were. Right. And it was already like an, an established thing. So I was just kind of coming in as this newcomer. And I think that's the first time I met Manny. I met Manny at CrossFit Westchester. Um, and I didn't even know like Kalina was there prior to. I think yeah, I see Kalina. So, she, so her and Maria opened CrossFit Portchester like 2013, 2012, 2013, something 2012. like 2012. It was, it was about a year and a half, two years after I had opened. Cause they were with me. They were working. I remember the first day Kalina came into the gym. We did fight combat. And I was like, she got almost 400 reps. I was like, who the fuck, fuck is yeah, this bionic she's got a, freak? She's crazy. She's got a motor crazy. that's like then, nothing I've ever seen. We started just training on the weekends. And after like a month, she was like kicking my ass on every workout. I was like, 
what the fuck? I was like, who is this girl? She got hooked. And I mean, you know, she made the game. What We and her train were training partners for a when while. When was the first time you made regionals? Uh, so sectionals, 2010. And then regionals was officially the first year was 2011. So that was the first year I made it. Me, Kalina, and another OG, Jamie Keebler. Oh, yeah. Jamie, Jamie Keebler. I used to call him the cube. Exactly. That guy was built. He was just. A box. Yo, dude. he's still a beast. The cube. The cube. I I will never forget 2011 regionals. There was a workout that was like uh, row 1,030 handstand or run 1,030 handstand pushups. Row 1,000. So I knew someone was before the workout. We're all starting out. This is in Canton, Mass. And they're like, some guy looks at me he's like, Yo, how are you gonna pace this workout? I was like, I'm gonna run as fast as I can. I'm gonna do 30 pushups as fast as I can. And then I'm going to get on the rower and row as fast as I can. <laughs> so the guy looked at me. Was, the guy looked at me and was like, all right, Dick. <laughs> I literally, dude, was the first person back from that run by like 15 seconds. I get on the wall. I didn't know how to kip. Kipping handstand push-ups like weren't a thing then. Yeah. So I'm like struggling to do three to five at a time. Jamie comes in 20, 30 seconds after me. Gets on the wall. This guy's arms are the size of like my elbow to my wrist. His whole arm. So he's just cranking, cranking him out. out. You see Ben Bergeron run up to him like looking, checking his form to make sure it was good. He's like, wow. That guy can do some handstand push-ups. So that was like the, you know, that was that weekend. And then, you know, Kalina crushed it. Then like 2012, I started training with Jay Layden. I told Kalina. I wanted, I I was wanted like, to spin off into that. Yeah, yeah. You, sh you should train with me on this. Now, how'd you meet, how'd you meet Jay? I did CrossFit Milford was a big gym at the time. Um, it was like one of like the bigger ones, like where they were doing some of these certs and stuff. I didn't know much. There wasn't like a lot of like athletic coaching at the time. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like how it is now where there's like a million different blogs or things like this. Um, and I met Jay. I think I looked at Jay because he had a lot of, he had like from his gym, like a team and some individual athletes that did really well. So we like... Uh, communicate he saw me at beast of the east like one of the first years where i like really killed it like i think i was like top five and that's when beast of the east was like one of the premium that was, competitions people was used like, to yeah. come out for that one Tominsky, maliello all these guys CH, and we were just yeah. all competing back then um and i started training with jay because i knew my issue was that i had to get stronger um and yeah and then i found jay and i was working with him till about 2014 wow man so much history bro 2012, yeah. 13, and 14. There's a lot of like cross pollination. With Coach Jay Layden. Yeah. Yeah. Man. I call him the CrossFit Phil Jackson. That's what I call him, bro. Yeah. And, yeah. What, and what people don't realize is that when uh, Chris was operating the gym back then, he was, from a business standpoint, really far ahead of other gyms. You know, I remember the organization that CrossFit Westchester ran with was, you know, served as like a blueprint for when I opened up. It was CrossFit Scars at the time. Yeah. Turn Northeast. Um, with the gray cat. Oh yeah, scruffy, scruffy, the cat. Scruffy. You know, <laughs> like, it was it was so. a basement dweller. <laughs> it, was, it was scary when it went it, down the stairs to go on the rowers. Like, <laughs> but she was super friendly, and you were like, "Is it dead?" No, she it just didn't, didn't move, move around very much. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, it, it's it's pretty crazy to think about how far uh, your your gym has come along, and uh, just at the whole landscape of this yeah. business has come along. Because I think, and as much as people don't might not want to admit it. We were right before, CrossFit was right before Barry's boot camp started to become big. Mm -hmm. Just mm -hmm. before, because it was a boot camp mm -hmm. style. And then you look at where we're at now. Yeah. Pre-COVID, pre-COVID. Because I think the whole landscape has kind of changed. Yeah. But like the amount of like high intensity, quote unquote, functional fitness. 
gyms now is crazy. It's yeah. just, it's wild. And there was nothing. <clears throat> and like now, if you look at a map, within a five mile radius of where I am, there's 50 gyms. And not just CrossFit, like literally, literally 50 yeah. gym yeah. options. So I mean, like, how do you stand out? Yeah, I, I mean, um, I like, as I'm going to piggyback off of what, what Manny was saying. I just remember like you kind of being like the trailblazer as far as the business aspect of it. I didn't really remember any gyms that were uh, kind of doing what you were doing. And you were be, the first guy I saw that like branched out, had a second location. Like you were, I to me, I think you were at the forefront of that. But to, even more fine tuned. Sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead. But even continue. more like fine tuned was that there was actual organization inside of his classes because you got to remember, like at that time, CrossFit doesn't have like a blueprint on how to run an affiliate. Yes. The the best thing you have <clears throat> is if you take the time and read the journals. But even then, they don't give you like a ton of guidance, so you're no. just really just making shit up on the go and like adjusting on the fly. There was no lesson plans yeah. like they yeah. do now with a lesson plan. Like there was none of that, and like what they do now, it's like. Should've We've been doing that since like 2010. I would take a whiteboard and like write out the whole class. Mm -hmm. And then that's how my coaches learn. And then the coaches would be like, okay, well, this is how Chris runs the class. So this is how I'm going to run the class. And then it was like kind of like spun off that way. But I think, you know, I look back now and like, obviously I wouldn't trade anything, but I think the most difficult thing was the neglecting that I actually, you know, I feel like the business would have been so far leaps and bounds ahead of where it was had I not been training like a professional athlete at the time. Uh, like it is literally impossible now to do what I did and yeah. still compete at, well, I don't want to say impossible, but to compete at that kind of level, it's their full-time job. Well, That's yeah. all they do. Yeah. That, that is well, all think about they it. You do. You did that and you ran a business. I mean, But then you start to think about like, what are the things that I know? Like I always say, oh, I wish I knew what I know now about recovery and nutrition back then. I always ate pretty good, but yeah. like I was probably sleeping five or six hours a night trying to wake up, coach six classes a day and do two sessions and wonder why I always felt like shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And always grumpy. Super grumpy. <laughs> That's I mean, the Chris you're, I you're know, rude, bro. Dude, it's like, uh, honestly. <laughs> That's the Chris I know. But, but, it, but, it literally, but it literally will affect everything hormonally. And like the amount of, I think I became the coach I was from all the injuries I sustained from being a dumbass and training through everything. Like, because I just did not understand at the time the signs of overtraining and like what so I So that's knew. the one thing you would change. Just Well, I don't I don't know. I mean, I guess because the landscape was so different. In retrospect, I couldn't have gone to a gym to just focus on training and kept a career, right? Yeah. So it's like in order to have my hobby, but I might have hired someone much sooner to help me with things. Because okay. like, I thought at the time, like that business owner, which some people still have this day and age is crazy to me. There are gym owners that are still doing like literally everything because they're scared to like hire somebody to help. It, yeah, it's why actually do you, the majority of affiliate owners currently still operate that way. Why do you feel that they uh, still work like that? I think the way they look at it is they're not looking at their how valuable their time is to either A, do other things or B, like, hey, let me enjoy the fruits of my labor and like enjoy what I've built. So they're like, yeah, if I coach every single class of the week, I could pay myself a good six-figure salary and not, but then just work 70 hours a week and be tied to your business. Like, hey, kudos to you if that's what you want to do. That's definitely not what I want to do because anyone that coaches knows that like 20 to 25 hours a week of coaching is a fucking, it's a full-time job. Yeah. Right. Whether it's personal training, coaching group classes, even like online shit is just so like draining, just like 
investing, thinking about like so many variables and factors in somebody's life, um, I would just perhaps either change the way I approached my training Probably because at the time that was honestly way more important to me than my business. The mm-hmm. business, to be honest with you, it didn't really become the forefront of my focus until like 2016. Really? Say, until you probably stopped competing completely. Yes. Uh, when was the last year you made regionals? Oh, uh, well, if you count the like super team we made, 2017. But realistically, I don't consider that. It was 2014. 2014, okay. 2014, then I said I was going to stop. And then 2015, like, our gym almost qualified a team. And, like, I was training still at the time, still working with a coach. 2016, I was like, fuck it, I want to try again. I hired another coach from Training Think Tank, Adam Rogers, who's now big time. Yeah, huge. Um, So I started working with him, made a run at it, but was running the business now. And, like, it was still, they were taking top 60, and I finished, I think, like, 72nd. I was like, hey, you know what? I gave it my best. I just couldn't, like, push myself. 2017, we do this, like, team where, like, everyone was part of our gym, but they really, like, you know, you know, you know, you basically what everybody yeah, else everybody did. Everybody else did. Wink, we, wink. We, yeah, we, quali- we qualified. Um, I actually wasn't even sure because there's four guys on the team. Uh, Will Carter, who congrats, Will. Congrats, just, just finally yeah. the CrossFit yeah, Games, awesome. A round of applause for um, Paul Delanoy, another yes. monster, just missed the games this year as a Masters athlete. Yeah. Ariel Fernandez, another beast, and then yep. it was me. I was the fourth guy. And based on how the workout shook out, it was a lot of gymnastics stuff. I was really good at mm-hmm. but like two three weeks before the competition I fucked my shoulder up we were doing heavy DT like partner DT at like 205 and I felt like a, a clunk on my collarbone like crack um and I partially tore this bitch titty which has been torn like 40 <laughs> which has been torn like 40 times and I had to like say like guys like there's no more like we're deciding who's gonna compete like I'm out it's the three of you yeah um and that was it and then 2018, 20, you know, I've been kind of like a like a lost puppy in terms of like what my training is. And I it, I think it took a really, really long time to like be like, I'm not an athlete anymore in that regard. It's okay. What the hell am I doing now for my training? Because this is not priority over my business. Yeah. Um, and that was really evident during COVID. Right. So I started following CrossFit.com again during COVID. I was like, I've always wanted to do this. I didn't have a coach. Let me try it. And I did it <clears throat> almost till for like five, five, six months. And one of the reasons I did it was because it's like a 45 minute workout, but I was training six days a week, but it was like 45 minutes. And I have never worked more than I did during COVID. I think I have more gray hair, probably took 10 years off of my life during that six month period of really? worrying and stress. Um, yeah. Than, than any other time in my life um, in when it comes to business. Because it's like from the second you wake up, you're like, okay, is this really going to be two weeks? Is it going to be a month? Is it six weeks? Is it six months? Is it, are we still dealing with this a year from now or 14 months from now? You know. Now, so, what were some of the things that you did to pivot? Because um, I know a lot of guys were kind of in limbo when it came to this whole COVID because there were restrictions and it would change every so often. What were some of the things you did as a business owner to help pivot? So it was, really, it was really hard for me, man. March 15th, 2020, I celebrate 10 years in business. March 16th, 2020, I have to close the gym. So the next day, right? And this is already at the time, it was weird. Because <laughs> it was like a week 
earlier, about 10 days earlier, I was out to dinner with people. Like, ah, this is fucking bullshit. bullshit. Like, this yep. is nothing's going to happen. Then, like, three days later, I was like, uh, New Rochelle has, like, uh, it's, like, outbreak there. Yeah, like the National Guard there. was the there. National, they were what deployed the hell is over going there. on? And then, like, literally every day, like, something crazy was happening. Then everything closed. And I'm like... Once the NBA canceled the season, I was like, oh, shit. shit. What yeah. is a huge moneymaker like that. What is going on here? So I remember, like, this is a true story. I invite my friends over, and I was like, yo, let's watch Outbreak. I swear, no shit, no shit. Let's watch Outbreak. Because I still kind of thought at the time this was bullshit. Bullshit, yeah. So watch Outbreak, we're like kind of freaking out, drinking. And then I, I gave myself about two, three days where I was like, all right. You got to sack up now. You got to figure this shit out, mm-hmm. right? So I had hired at the beginning of the year. I never worked with like a business mentor, but I worked with Two Brains Business, Chris Cooper's company. That guy is a fucking rock star. He His business is so professional. And I will tell you that what I learned in the first month or two, not even stuff that I learned, but just the organization of how I put stuff together was so helpful. Um. One of the first things I did was loan out all my equipment. Hey, guys, meet at the gym. We're going to loan out all the equipment. Okay. We're going to sign it out. I'm not going to charge you for it. We're just going to sign it out, give it to you at the time, and um, you know maybe this will go a week, two weeks, or a month. We're going to program all the workouts for at home. We're going to jump onto Zoom, and we're going to just try to do Zoom classes. That's what we're going to do. One of the things that they said at Two Brains is that is not going to be enough to substantiate charging your normal price. Yes. So what do we do? We took our active roster and we divvied it up amongst four or five coaches. So every day, one of the coaches would email 30, 40 people. Here's your wad. This is what you're doing. This is what you have this. We knew what everybody had. Gotcha. We didn't loan out any of the bikes or the rowers because it was just too much of a... and, And to... Because it was too much of a pain in the ass. And to be honest with you, how do you decide who gets what if -hmm. you're not charging people money for it? And then how do you program workouts for everybody if some people have a row or some people don't? So that's kind of how it started. And then it was just like, shit, it's April. Okay, there's two weeks to slow the spread. New York is getting fucked. Flatten the curve. New York is getting fucked up right now. Mm -hmm. Right? So it's like, okay. So now, how do I get people excited about, oh, Coach Chris is going to program the whole month. I stopped programming workouts a little while back. Coach Chris is going to program the workouts. Okay. So people, all right, cool. Like, it's going to be, you know, Chris is programming the workouts again. And it was good. And then May rolls around. We're still closed. So I'm like, fuck. All right. I think at the time I was like, it can't go past May 15th. We're in phase one. We're in phase one, right? Yeah. So May 15th rolls around. I'm like, fuck, we're still in phase one. Let's make up all these <laughs> other metrics. I remember then we're in, I was going like crazy by this point. I decided I'm going to drive down to Florida. Drove down to Florida. I was like, yo, Florida's opening up. I'm fucking going down. I want to go to a restaurant. I want someone to say, what would you guys like to drink? Want to mm. go out and see another human and have them ask me yeah. that question. My little cousin from Spain was living with me at the time. He came down here. He turned 16 while he was here. He came here to learn English. Two months into being here, COVID, COVID happens. Happened. His fucking parents are freaking out. He can't fly back to yep, Europe. They locked so their shit down. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Teddy. I know you're going to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, 
we go down to Florida. While we're in Florida, my girlfriend's business is, they find out phase two finally happening. Phase two, professional services. So I'm like, oh, I'm a professional service. No, you're no, not. No, you're not. Not according yeah. to New York State. You're not. Mm-hmm. So we come back. I'm not at this point ripping my hair out. It's three months in. Cases are dropping. Deaths are dropping. You're just trying to still figure out and rationalize everything that's going on. I think it was around, I don't know when you guys felt it, but it was like middle of April. Because like the first month, people were like, yo, we're rocking with you. We're rocking with you. We're going to hold out with you. About three, four weeks in, people start losing their jobs. Yep. Or people just start really freaking out, like their whole psychology. When you're sitting inside, not going outside, just watching the news 24 hours a day. Yeah. You just start getting cancellation after cancellation after cancel. Just a barrage. I'm getting so angry just reliving this right I now. I, Sorry. I, I'm getting like PTSD because we had we had two waves of, of uh, cancellations. You know, wave one was initially right away. Yes. Boom. And then the second wave was right around May 15th was when all the phases were announced. Yeah. And then like gyms were like, nope, you guys are going to kill everybody. And then it was like, fuck it. Yeah. I'm well, that, that's why people canceled the second time. Yeah. They're like, yeah, that's well, what I'm saying. all right, we'll hold out until, you know, phase two or whatever. And then it was like, no. Okay. Well, yeah. phase four, they don't even know if that's ever going to happen. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. At that yeah, point, they were out. I Peace. remember May being like the tip to, to me was the breaking point. That's when I really had to like do like my my mental health like two, check-ins because two, two months two months into it man and like like you know so fast forward and it's like we're doing the same thing over and over and over mm-hmm. um low key we you know I don't care at this point we started to operate classes before we could I yeah. mean I think most gyms were like fuck this like if I don't it's either take a fine or have everything you've ever worked for close yeah. Couldn't take new members because I was scared. What if somebody calls and asks and it's, and I actually heard that happen to people. Yeah. Well, they were doing that. They call, were calling to see if you were open to then close you down. Yep. But yeah, come in. So whatever. Boom. Fast forward, dude, we literally don't open till September 1st. That was, I think it was official August 24th. You could open. But by the time I had gotten my like approval from the state, um, the building inspector comes in. He's like, yeah, all these like Merv filters you're talking about are bullshit. This is all that we've like, we've literally done away with all of this based on just building plans. So like I couldn't physically do that in my location. So I had the luxury of spending $5,000 two times over on two different units with these UV rays inside of my current air conditioning units just to be able to open and operate before they even had anything with all this all that and then you know the cleaning supplies having somebody fog and come in and clean getting water bottles these special chemicals more paper towel it was just a a nightmare and then finally like okay oh finally we opened september 1st we made it because i know had some gyms had closed so i was like okay it's gonna be hard if we make it to january 1 we're good what happens january 1 nothing people are still fucking scared shit i mean there's still people today and I get it. I, I can appreciate the way everybody feels, but it's it's just, you know, the more and more we found out, we found out we're actually part of the solution. Part of what was going on is that America is a very sick country. We have a sickness problem in this country. Yes. You know, doctors, my doctor told me, because uh, I actually got COVID at the end of March. Mm-hmm. I was like sick for 
I was pretty sick for like a day, like really like high fever, chills, aches. Um, and then three days was tired, like just felt off tired. Fatigue, yeah. And then by the fifth day, I was good. The smell thing was a little weird and my smell like was not fully gone, but almost fully gone. What about for the like taste? Three, four, no, for like, nah, my taste never. Three, four weeks. And then like, it didn't fully come back my smell for like six or seven weeks. Oh shit. Which was weird. It was a weird thing, but it was like, you know. I mean, out of all the senses, not that bad. Yeah, you, true, you, you really, you really, uh, the, ta- <laughs> the taste would have really bothered me, but the, luckily the taste didn't go away. Like I could taste it because some people I knew that God had said that they were like they couldn't taste. The motherfuckers eating ghost peppers, like, and it was weird. It was, it was, it was, it was like they're gonna pay for it another way. <laughs> I knew more. I knew, I knew more people January, fire. February, March that had COVID in 2021 that had all the prior year before. Yeah, I like knew nobody the prior year that had it, mm-hmm. and I had decided at the beginning of the year I was like, "Yo, I'm out. I'm going to Florida. I'm leaving. I'm done." And I told my coaches, "I was like, if I don't like do this, I'm gonna literally have a fucking mental breakdown." They held down the fort, and um, then I came back in March. Things seemed a little more normal because of the open. Like we had some, pe- we had more people that were more comfortable gathering. And then I've noticed, definitely over the last four to six weeks, a lot more normalcy in how people are acting. Big time. But it's like, this is how I felt like in January because I was in Florida. Mm-hmm. And I remember people were asking me, like, oh, they're like, hey, how's everything down there? They're like, is everyone okay? I was like, yeah, dude, everyone's just chilling down here. There's no, like, dead bodies in the street or anything. It's just like. I think they hyped it up a lot more than what it was. Because, yeah. you know, I was, like, out there working. And in the beginning, it was almost like you thought COVID was just, like, this phantom in the air. And people were fucking walking around well, freaking well, the fuck well, out. And that's, and that's the thing. I mean, as a. As like a, the movie Bird Box. Like, you yeah, yeah exactly. Like, don't open die. your eyes. You know, that type of shit. <laughs> but you, you, but, but you, would, you, you would think in the first month, like, you know, like, we really didn't know anything yeah. the first month. So yeah. I was like, even myself, I was like, well, shit, you know. I ne- it never stopped me from, like, going to the supermarket or getting stuff. Because I was thinking, I was like, how could these, everything, how could certain things be open still? Like if it was as dangerous or if this was as contagious as they said it was, wouldn't we all be getting sick going into these stores as well? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, especially without the, with a lot of states, because New York was one of the first to adopt this, or if not the first to adopt the mask policy in the store, Yep. right? How is it that all this is happening? And then I remember Florida had the masks, but then like by June, I would say June 2020, Florida was like where New York was in like February of 2021. Like they're mm-hmm. like eight months. And now that New York is opening up and like, People are coming back to um, to the gym, going to restaurants. Like you just see gatherings happening. People aren't as uh, skittish to like. Like I went to a car dealership yesterday. And, so much uh, they shake your hand or they I, give you the. I, well, I always go to shake the yeah. hand, and if someone's like this, I'm like, oh my bad, like fist, elbow, Power, elbow. you don't give them like a kiss instead. <laughs> Bring it in for the real thing. <laughs> so so it, so you know it's it's like. Um, yeah, man, this year, this year, just this year felt like, I told you, my cousin was living me January 2020 until the end of June. It literally feels like I haven't seen the kid in four years. Really? Yes. Yeah. Shit. Every day just felt like it was four days long. Yeah. Trust me, I was at work and you were, you know, we were dealing with several different things. You had people who were inside homes 
with people they now realize that they can't fucking stand. I hate you. Because you think about it, you take out that routine, waking up in the morning, you're taking the kids to school, whatever, right? Then you go to work, yep. right? You're outside the house for like 10, 12 hours. By the time you get home, it's dinner, and then everybody goes to sleep. You repeat that process. Now you eliminate that whole middle shit right there. You wake up. Now you're sitting around people, right? The kids, the kids need shit to do, right? Did you see, like, did you, like, actually, like, firsthand see, like, domestic violence and stuff? Absolutely. Yeah. At, people were at each other's throats. Yeah. And it, it, it was, like, one of the most depressing things I think I have experienced in my career. I've been doing this 16 years, and that was probably one of the hardest things to see. And then also... Um, the Emmy was inundated with like calls of, of bodies, right? Yeah. So now someone passes away in the house. You may that person may pass away on a Tuesday. The Emmy can't get there till freaking Thursday, Friday, <laughs> and you have family members that were locked in the house with these people. So you had that aspect of it. So you know, dealing with death is one thing, but now Man, having a loved one in a house, yeah, right, decomposing Ugh. that kind of shit, that does take a toll on people. So I, I had that aspect of it. And then now you take away the things that we truly enjoy, right? People love going out to dinner, socializing, things. You couldn't do any of that. You just don't realize. I feel like you don't real like, I feel like if there was two lessons I learned from this, it's like one, uh, to continue to stay healthy and mm -hmm. be healthy and do what you can to, uh, you know, like what we all do here on a daily basis, which is promote health and wellness. Yeah. But, just to appreciate everything, like little things, like just going to a supermarket and seeing like somebody smile yeah, at man. you, right? While you're in the store walking around or just like saying hello to a random stranger without them freaking out, thinking you have the plague. It's like, <laughs> just like but, but it is, it really yeah. makes you appreciate yeah. the small things in life. And that's a, what I've taken from it just to be like more like present with every day and like just, man. I've never in a million years would have thought anything like that would have happened. I want to talk about your personal development, man, because I feel like the Chris Guerrero I met in like 2012 yeah. is, grumpy. is was a grumpy, <laughs> you know, angry man. And then now I see you and you have such a zest for life, bro. Like, what were yeah. some of the steps that you took to I get? I think you started drinking. <laughs> Less. <laughs> maybe, maybe the beginning of this year I was drinking a lot. That was, I think, more just because of the shock of COVID. But um, personal development, man, I mean, I'm a big proponent of, like, people could be physically healthy, right? Like, we could see people physically healthy. But what's one of the things now that is more on people's mind now? Mental health, Mental right? health, so absolutely. Me mental health, it comes full spectrum. And I think part of mental health is just being able to embody everything uh, that life has to offer. So it's like, life is short. It really is short. Like, and I sometimes think in my head, like, damn, one day went by, and that's one less day that I have. Yeah. Right? So every day, it's just like, shit. We're all on borrowed one, time, man. One less day that mm -hmm. I have. Um, <clears throat> I think being realistic that you're not going to be happy all the time. Uh, life is like, uh, you know, like a heartbeat. Like, there's ups and downs. Yeah. But if you have ups more than you have the downs, like, if you notice you're on a downtrend for a really long time, you know, that's a time to talk about it, man. I, you know, I've been very open about mental health. Like I think 2019 was actually a worse year for me than 2020. Yeah. I, I, I have, uh, I guess it's like clinically diagnosed now. It was called hypochondria, but it was clinically diagnosed now as health anxiety disorder. Really? So what that is, is like something like where a normal person will get like a cough 
And I'd be like, I have lung cancer. I'm fucking dying today. Oh, and it, so- it sounds it sounds crazy. Like I live, think about it now, and when I tell people, I laugh because it sounds funny. Yeah. But when you're living through that shit every single day, it's not funny. Like I would wake up every single day and I would think, imagine something in my head that I was gonna like die from. No joke. Holy no shit. shit. And none of my clients even knew because like I would just go be stoic, just coach classes, wouldn't say shit. And then I started going to therapy. Um, <clears throat> How did you decide that therapy was uh, the way to go? My, my mom is a social worker okay. um, and she's like, she's always helped me with stuff and she does a lot of like energy work and stuff. And I think at the time, like, I think now I have on Headspace, dude, I've been meditating every dude, morning. I want to thank you for, for that because like tw- you put me for on like, Headspace. For like 12 or 1300 days straight, it's almost three and a half years straight every morning. Yeah. And I notice if I do not start my morning, the first thing I do when I open my eyes is turn on that app and just do it for six to 10 minutes every day. Yeah. And like people think, look, I don't have the time to do it. Just do it for a minute. Yeah. Just close your eyes and breathe for one minute. Say say you're thankful for something and that could be your meditation. Yep. But my routine now is so crazy in the morning, dude. Like if I do my full routine, it could be an hour in the morning. Literally one hour of doing breathing and meditation and all these weird like things that like my girlfriend and other people make fun of me. Like what the hell are you doing in the morning, man? Getting myself I'm centering right. my I'm shit. I'm just getting myself right. That's it, right? Yeah. It takes my crazy ass a long time to do that. <laughs> um, the therapy, you know, I used I did it in the past when I was younger, and like it was for different things. It was like anger problems. Like I used to get into a lot of fights in high school and uh, in college, and get into a lot of trouble. And then now it, it like the anger turned into like just anxiety, like being paranoid about a bunch of different shit, which yeah. for me manifested in health. For a lot of people to get depressed, the sky's always gray or, you know, they don't have anything to look forward to. Thank God I never dealt with that because that feeling of sadness is so, it's so like uh, hopeless. And I think a lot of guys, especially, they don't, they just don't talk about it. They think it's like, it makes them feel like, oh, I'm a pussy if I talk about it. So I feel like if I like was very open about like my struggles with it and I, and then I had people like message me like, yo, thank you for opening up about it. Like, and I'm like, yo, if you ever need somebody to talk to and encouraging people to get help, because sometimes it's reframing your perspective on how you look at things. Yep. Right. 1000%. 1000%. But you're, you're in your own head all the time. So how can I help myself if the way that I think is all jacked up, right? If I think, oh my God, I got uh, a bump on my arm, it's a staph, because I did have staph infection from jujitsu, but this is definitely staph infection and this shit's going to get systemic. And if it gets systemic, I'm going to get a really bad fever. I'm going to end up in the hospital and I'm going to die. That is literally the thought process I would yeah, have. Yeah. And then the therapist is like, yo, dude, if you have staph infection, you just have a bump on your arm. Why are you going to like the nth degree? And then you kind of reframe the way you think about stuff. And what I took that in into day-to-day life is just there are things that are going to bother you, but why do you let them, you know, I go into the gym and like there are kettlebells out of order and I would look like, fuck, fuck, your shit. And then I'm like, fuck, I'd wasted an hour of my day being angry Angry. about something so stupid. Yeah. It's not stupid that it was out of order, but my reaction, it's, you can control, you can control control your reaction to things, right? So it's like, if you're constantly in this state of edge and your reaction and by no means am I, Perfect. Far from it. But I've no learned I've learned to react to things differently than I would have in the past and like just holding on to animosity about things and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it's just so stupid. You, you like life is short. There is no reason. I don't have 
people can hate me. They might not like me. And that's cool, man. If you don't like me, I'm not everybody's cup of tea. That's all good. That was something I used to struggle with a lot. Like, uh, me wondering why people didn't like me. That was like a thing for me. And it I didn't took like me because you were stronger than me. <laughs> and everyone who's stronger than him is on steroids. <laughs> exactly. It's just like, that was like a big thing for me. So I remember when you first started to kind of like, um, document some of these things on like your social media. And I, I remember, uh, you put me on a, like the, the headspace yeah. app and I sat down with a therapist when you were the one that were like, Hey, you know, I'm sitting down with somebody. I spoke to somebody at some point I was like, shit, if Chris is doing it, Shit, why, why not me? You know what I mean? To me, you normalized it, and it, it helped me kind of center my shit. And that's, and that's like, I mean, especially with your job. Yes. I mean, you know, because, like, ge- generally speaking, I don't know about what you guys think, but, like, you know, the gym stuff is, it's cool. You know, I, I still, obviously, I have days where I feel like shit, you know, like, yeah. this sucks. But I wake up, and I'm like... I have never once in the last 11 years felt like I did when I was working in finance where I like wake up and be like, oh my God, I have to do this. Yep. Never felt that way. And I know it goes beyond feeling like I can tolerate this job to like, I'm, I honestly say I think I'm genuinely one of the only, one of the few people that really enjoys what they do. Yeah. You know, and like when you can say that, that to me is worth making more than a million dollars a year. Like, yes. You could do both. Great. Yeah. But that's, I have, the, that's the goal. Yeah. I have plenty of people that make a lot of money that you could just tell based on. Oh, I yeah. talk to them every day. They're not happy. Yeah. They're miserable. Yeah. So was there a day or like an event where you were like, that was the turning point where like your perspective changed? It was during a therapy session. This guy said that it was the weirdest thing. He drew out these three boxes in two lines. Right. So he said, all right. So, and I don't know why, because I think about it now, I'm like, what the hell did that have such an impact on me for? I think it was like the second or third session I had with him. And he's like, all right, in one box, um, you have two kids, kid one, kid two, like seven years old, right? Kid one uh, goes into a dark room. It's a dark room. Then the middle box is the reaction. Sorry, the middle box is the thought process. Mm -hmm. And the last box is the reaction. So kid one goes into a dark room. He goes to sleep. So what was his thought process? It's dark. It's dark. It's time to go to bed. bed. Kid two, dark room, goes in, freaks out. What was his thought process? Oh my God, I'm scared there are monsters in here. So he goes, it's just literally all about the situation and your thought process. I was like, holy shit. So I was like, okay, so I started to recognize that when I would get like a kettlebell would be out of order. Something like I told somebody, hey, like, uh, you know, go lighter on the weight. You're going to hurt yourself. And then like 10 minutes later, like, oh, I feel it in my back. And I'm thinking in my head, like, I fucking told you, you know? Yeah. And then I would notice all of a sudden, like 10 minutes later, I'd start feeling like a little out of breath, like I couldn't breathe. And I'm like, fuck. It's like these fucking situations are causing me to have a physical reaction. Yeah. Now that I recognize it and I see it happening, I'm not having the reaction anymore. Uh, like I'd have the reaction, but within a minute or two, I would know that it's not something happening to me. It's because of the situation and how I processed it that it was happening. Gotcha. But it was unconscious. And that was the thing. He literally said it to me on the third session. And I swear to God, my anxiety, if it was a 10 out of 10, dropped to like a 7 out of 10. And then slowly every week. And it was expensive, man. Like. Going to therapy. It's not cheap. I know. It is not cheap. 
And I've had friends who have told me, ah, oh, man, you know, it's too expensive. I go, dude, your mental health and how you feel every day, if you are going to put, put a price, if you're gonna on, put that. A price on that, then, then don't even talk to me because yeah. then it's not, not even worth it. And don't bring your shit. And, and one of the other things I did, and I hate to say this, there are like these, uh, these like cancerous people that you're around that just suck the life out of you. Yep. And they are constantly, the glasses half empty. Why does this happen to me? Like, this is terrible. They always are looking at, and I just. Victim mindset. I don't, I don't, I don't fuck with people like That's that. That's where those this victim is, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't fuck with people like that anymore. And it's not because I don't feel for them. It's just, I. You don't have time for that. We, we, we bring only. Bring down the energy, man. We all only have so many days in our life. So what am I going to do time. spending my, my life trying to help people like that? And I cut off, I cut off some really, really, really close friends. Cause like I tried having conversations with them and I was just like, I can't, I can't do it. I anymore. can't do it anymore. Man, I, can't, yeah. I cannot. I can't expend that energy. I can't be in a group chat where you're sending 10,000 messages, negative shit about what's going on in the world. Yeah, we all know what's going on in the world. It's fucking terrible. You know, there's a lot of fucked up shit. But if you go outside, there's also a lot of good shit going on. Yeah, right? there's not, The world is not so inherently terrible all the time that you should be worried about it, especially like what is it going to do to your life, yep. you know, to worry about it all the time. So It's your perception of shit, man. Like, uh, like I... I like phone calls would give me that feel. If someone called me yeah. at 2 a.m., I would my fucking anxiety would go through the roof. And it's funny because if you tell me there's gunshots coming from an apartment on the fifth floor, I'll run to that shit. But a phone a phone call gives me anxiety. That's when I realized I had a I had a problem. Yeah, and I was like, I got to check this now. Right. Because if I can run towards gunshots, but a phone call, I'm like, I don't want anything to do with that shit. I got a funny feeling in my stomach. And then I had to kind of reassess what was important to me. I'm like, well, you you can run towards a potentially life altering situation, but a phone call is making you feel this way. Jay, yeah. You got to really put your things into perspective. And then I work around a lot of negative people. They only they only focus, and I think a lot of guys that do the type of work that I do, they because you're around so much negativity, you just start to normalize that, and yeah. then you, and then now you have conversations with you people. You can't even blame them for that. Yeah, you can't, but yeah. you need to figure out a way. Because the, there's not everybody in your life is in law enforcement, so they don't want to hear about the negative things that you mm-hmm. see. You have to learn how to take that uniform off, put that shit in the locker, and leave it there. And when you go home, try not to spread the, the, the negative shit that you saw in your own household or to the people that you love and value. So that was part of my process of like, all right, Jay, you got to really check this because you're losing a bit of yourself. Because I've always been like a happy, like jovial person. I, and then I noticed, I was like walking around, highly irritable, just not a pleasant human being. And I was like, Mm-mm, this ain't good. And like a good friend of mine was like, Yo, Jay, you changed, bro. You ain't the same. And I was like, all right, well, now I need to kind of recenter my shit and figure out, you know, where I need to go from here and work on some, you know, personal development and, 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 and fixing these things. And I think a lot of people need to hear this. They need to normalize that it's okay to have a bad day. Um, but it, it, you know, realizing that you're going to have a bad day. Not every day is going to be the same. Not every day is going to be, you know, sunny and, you know, birds tripping or whatever. But you need to learn how to work through those days and understand that, that that's not the end of all means. Because I think some people kind of go down that rabbit hole and never make it back. And then as you get older, you start to see there's people around you that, I mean, I'm pretty sure all of us have had kids that we've grown up with that have died long before they're supposed to die. Yep. And way then too many. way too many. And that shit started to set in on me. And I'm like, you know what? We're not here for very long. I'm going to make the most of the time that I have here and start to look at the, the you know, the glasses half full instead of half empty. So um, I, I want to thank you for shedding light on that because I feel like 
a lot of people need to hear that and need to realize that it's a normal thing to have these feelings and to sit down and talk to somebody. It doesn't make you an oddball. It doesn't make it, um, you know, weird. It's just some things that people need to accept and realize that, hey, it's okay to go and sit down and have a conversation with somebody and work on yourself. Um, I think it's better than medication because I've, I've done both yeah. ends of the spectrum and the medication is a really, really, really slippery slope. Yep. So well, yeah. it, never, it never fixes the root. It doesn't. It, ba- it band-aids in, then people are on it for life. <clears throat> um, and I was so heavily medicated in college, like, like panic attacks, all this shit. And then I remember, uh, dude, I, I have conversations with college friends because you, you take all that stuff mm-hmm. and then you go out drinking like a normal college kid. Oh, shit, yeah. I don't remember shit. Like, I literally, <laughs> they, people tell me stories. I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't remember that. I was there? Yeah. No, yeah. It, it, and it's sad. It's like, it's almost like four years of my life were just like, a complete blur yeah. because of that. And then there's a lot of side effects to, to just constantly taking medicine. And I'm not saying in, in some instances that it's not necessary, you know, to have that, but like people, it's like with fitness, right? Rather than like getting like a gastric bypass surgery, why not just, it, it, I think people are scared to do the deep digging and do the work mm. to help correct themselves. That's a gem. And fix themselves. Yeah. Um, and what's the easiest route to trying to feel better? Take medication. This shit's going to work within a week. You're having a panic attack. This pill worked within 30 minutes. You don't feel that way anymore. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's a society of instant gratification. This might've been one of the deepest conversations we've had on this show. It went down a road that I didn't think that we were going to go. I'm good with it, man. I'm with it, man. Um, I want to talk about, uh, Kind of, you know, like just to finish off the conversation, you know, the future of uh, uh, the future of like functional fitness, the future of CrossFit. Where do you where, where do you see it going? Do you like the new changes that we're starting to see now? Um, the landscape changing. What do you think? In terms of like the day to day people, the day to day the day to day people, like the business owners. I don't. Um, I don't really see. I don't know that I really see much of a difference, just in terms of how the gyms are run and organize i would think that you have to be left with like the cream of the crop i I have to think that some gyms closed i'd have to think that some gyms have closed i'd have to think that some gyms are struggling now and in the next six to 12 months they might close so what's going to happen is you're going to go back to like 2012 2013 where there's not as many options Mm -hmm. these gyms are the ones that are professional have done things professionally and run and organize things the right way yes but also, then you deal with this whole online thing, which is as much as some of the online stuff that like I've done with nutrition and individual program design where you're writing workouts for people is great. I don't know how long it's going to be until someone's like, okay, I've been doing this at home for a year by myself. Why do most people join CrossFit outside of to get in shape? They like the community, community. aspect, yeah. right? So it's like, how, how long can you just work out by yourself at home? Um, even if you're online, like we still do Zoom classes. Even if you're online, you're still by yourself. Yeah. So it's like, it's not the same feeling. Um, I just think the cream is going to continue to rise. I think that maybe the way the classes are structured might be a little bit different. You know, like more of like that. Uh, what do you guys, what do you guys do now? More of like you have different oh, programs and. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. We have multiple options for people to choose from instead of the one workout of the day. So essentially like. We've like refined it a couple of times based on a 
kind of like the feedback that we were getting and like the class flow. But, you know, we have uh, sport fitness and foundations, which is pretty much just like three levels of the workout of the day. Right. And then we have off scripts. So we have, um, you know, endurance uh, function, which is almost like a, you know, functional bodybuilding type right, of right, program right. and uh, weightlifting and, and uh, aerobic weightlifting. capacity. Yes. Yeah. So we have some uh, off scripts. So, today. Yeah. So uh, if they don't want to do the workout of the day, they can come and actually do those as like an alternative. Is it now? Is it still set times, or is the gym just open all day? It's set times. Set times. Okay. Yeah. So it's still kind of like a class field. Yeah. No, you're it's doing it's, your own thing. It, it's it's still a class because our coaches teach the workout of the day. But let's say it didn't start out that way, though. Yes, it it didn't start out that way. But part of that was because of how we reopened. We did what you did. Right. Were we trying to loophole? You know, so right, we right, became right. an exercise physiology facility. So that we weren't running group classes. Everybody was following their own individual thing. Right, so it was like yeah. way less about the group. And then we refined it. And then now we've refined it again where it's like, if you come in and take my class at 4.30, I'm teaching it as if everyone is doing the CrossFit workout, whether it's level one, two, or three. Right. But if you're like, yo, I'm not in the fucking mood. I'm going to do aerobic capacity. You'll still warm up with us. And then you go do that off to the side. Yeah. Like you that. still get coached and stuff. But yeah, that's it. I mean, yeah. that's, a, that's like a good, you know, that's like a good hybrid. And I could see that being the case for people that want to still have group, but not have, because that's the thing you always deal with, right? You don't, you have people that don't want to come in to do the class, but now you guys have provided options for that person to still come in, keep them engaged and do something else other than the class workout that they might not have uh, wanted to do. Yeah, so. and then what ends up happening is still 98% of the people in the class, they're doing the CrossFit workout. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but there's some people who religiously only do aerobic capacity or function, which is another really cool thing too, because then right. you get you get to understand their, 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 their uh, so goals. And uh, yeah, works out pretty well. I'm fucking strong. But uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, all right, we, we've uh, reached our hour cap. Uh, Damn, Chris, man. Thank you, dude. I, this was a very uh, refreshing. I think we're going to need a part two. Yeah, we, yeah, we might have sure. to do that. Yeah, there's for still sure. so much to talk about. Yeah, there's so much. Uh, you I know, mean, we, you guys can keep talking. <laughs> I just have a coaching call. Yeah, he has uh, you know other priorities. But thanks again. Uh, I appreciate you guys uh, tuning in this week. Uh, it was a great episode. Uh, don't forget to tune in. Another two weeks, we'll have another episode for you guys. So oh, yeah. on that note, uh, we'll see you guys later. And uh, Remember, like, subscribe, you and got share. any sponsors? We got some sponsors. Oh, we got some sponsors. Yes, we have uh, Smoothier Balls Manscaper, baby. Yo, did uh, I come in yet? Yeah, it is. I got I to gotta bring it in for Bro, you. Listen, because I, I got to go. It's really bushy down yeah, there. I, I got you. I'm, I'll, I'll actually drop it off today. Um, nice. Yeah, if you're rocking the ball, throw, get rid of it. Log in there. Uh, uh, Jumpman10 is the code for Smooth My Balls. We also have Virus. If you are in uh, fitness and you, you, you CrossFit, Virus is where it's at, so... Jump man 10 on that. Uh, active eyewear. Yes, I have a code for active eyewear. Jump man 10. Listen, Carol Webb. Uh, who else? Um, my boy, Jean Glaude, who's obese to beast on Instagram. They have signature series there. Uh, head over there and use the code jump man 10. Um, yeah, we appreciate you guys. Like I said, please like, subscribe, and share. We're on Apple iTunes now. So uh, all you Apple iPhone users, make sure you share with your buddies. And we are out. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Well, I know what you're rich, mother. Fuck your couch. Fuck your couch. Long time.